Cause we got the alternative energy Unmicular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hi, welcome to today's Radioactive Show Recorded and produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people Today's show we have a Brad Show team I'm Mara We've got Michaela AC and Crunch, and we'll be calling in KA from WA and also speaking with Jem Rommeld from ICANN. Jem Rommeld is the Australian Director of ICANN, and Jem, are you on the line there? Yes, I am. Hello. Jem, so it's been a while since we've caught up with you on the Radioactive Show. Indeed. We were wondering, what's what's on the cards for ICANN in 2020? I know you've had a... A meeting recently, kind of with your updates? Yes. Yeah, well, there's a lot planned for this year. Uh, 2020 uh, will mark the 75th anniversaries of the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Wow. Which uh, is a really significant date to commemorate and a really good point for people to organise around for uh, nuclear abolition. It's a, a date that everyone recognises and it really hi- and it highlights the catastrophic humanitarian impacts of nuclear weapons, mm. um, which is exactly why we need to work for their abolition. So ICANN and lots of other groups all around the world will be holding lots of events and, and organising lots of campaign activities um, for this year. It also uh, is the 50th year of the Non-Proliferation Treaty, uh, which will hold its review conference at the UN at the end of April and into May. Um, and this one, I mean, the NPT has largely stalled um, in the last, I guess, now at least decade. At the at the last review conference five years ago, the uh, meeting couldn't even agree on an outcome document. So, so this treaty is really struggling to see progress. The nuclear arms states are obviously not abiding by their obligations to disarm under it. Um, so it's it just really underscores the importance of the uh, Nuclear Weapon Ban Treaty, um, mm. which is steadily growing stronger. It was um, finalised at the UN two years ago in 2017, uh, and it now it currently has 81 countries that have signed up and 35 that have also ratified and become state parties. So that's just steadily progressing and moving closer and closer towards um, the 50 ratifications that are needed for it to enter into force, at which point it becomes permanent international law. And uh, we're expecting that to happen, uh, hopefully by the end of this year. But if not this year, then it will definitely take place next year. What's um, that? Thanks, Jem. That's pretty comprehensive. It does sound like there's really a lot coming up in 2020. It's an important year. Um, what's the interrelationship? between the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty and the Ban Treaty? Is it, from what you're saying, is it that you, in a way, hope that the Ban Treaty replaces the NPT as a stronger instrument or is there a place for both of them? Yeah, definitely for, for them to work together and to work alongside each other. The Ban Treaty was drafted specifically to complement the Non-Proliferation Treaty and it also goes further. So... Um, the Non-Proliferation Treaty doesn't clearly outlaw nuclear weapons. Um, it has been really successful at preventing uh, the spread of nuclear weapons, the non-proliferation aspect, even though there are now nine countries with nuclear weapons when at um, the beginning of that treaty there was 
only five. Um, there could be many more countries around the world that have nuclear weapons um, that, that don't, which is really good. Um, however, it um, does set up a bit of a two-tier system um, and the nuclear armed states have interpreted it to allow them to maintain their nuclear arsenals indefinitely, which is completely unacceptable. The Ban Treaty sets a common standard for all countries, um, so it also helps countries to fulfil their obligations under the NPT for, uh, for nuclear disarmament. So they very much um, work alongside each other. Countries should join both. Um, Australia, which has joined the uh, Non-Proliferation Treaty, hasn't joined the Nuclear Weapons Ban Treaty. So that's what our campaign is focused around in Australia is, is for us to get into line with this new international law and to sign and ratify that immediately. And what is the Australian campaign looking like? What could, how could people get involved and support ICANN's work in pressuring our government, encouraging them to come to the table with the ban treaty? Um, mm, yeah, well, lots of things. We've got lots of campaigns on the go and lots of ways that people can get involved. There's, there's a role for absolutely anyone in this. Um, we recently held a interfaith roundtable in Sydney to um, update the faith community, different religious organisations, and to... to um, work out ways to, to work together more in this year. So that's an example if anyone is part of a group um, that, that isn't aware of this treaty and isn't aware of its importance, then um, then we could we could meet with you, we could work with you to, um, to bring you into the campaign or to um, at least provide an update so you know what this treaty is. A lot of people don't even know what it's, what it's about yet. It is quite new. Mm. Um, and we're also working... Um, at all besides civil society and, and trying to raise awareness in the population generally. Um, we're also working at all levels of government um, to, uh, to win supporters. So in federal parliament, state parliament, territory parliaments around the continent uh, and also local governments. So for parliamentarians, there's a, there's a pledge that we invite all of them to join, to sign, to add their name to so that they publicly declare their support for the treaty. Um, and we're also doing the same thing with local councils around the country. So at the moment, 26 councils have, have endorsed ICANN's Cities Appeal, um, which says, you know, we're local government. We have a responsibility to protect our um, constituents from the threat of nuclear war. Nuclear weapons are, after all, aimed at cities, targeting, targeting civilians. Um, so uh, in the because there's a, a void of of leadership in Australia for embracing this treaty. Um, there are, there's been a, um, a spate of local governments who've stepped in to, to somewhat fill that gap and say, well, if Australia hasn't signed up yet, we declare we support this treaty and we, we think you should do that. Mm, that sounds some like of a, those in... Yeah, a great initiative. How would people find out if their local council has signed up? Or not? Or yeah, so there's a, there's a list and a map online on the ICANN Australia website, which is ICANW for International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons.org.au, and then um, forward slash cities is where you, mm. can, you can see all of the councils that have signed up. That's great, Jim. We're always, I mean, it's amazing to hear the work that ICANN's doing internationally. Of course, started right here in Melbourne, Australia. I, 
like to mention that fairly often. Um, yeah, but it's incredible the work that you guys are doing. I'm just really struck that it's 75 years since um, since nuclear weapons have have existed, and just thinking, I guess the um, is it the Trinity tests was the first tests in Nevada and in July, and to think that before that, like 75 years ago today, people didn't know what nuclear weapons were or what, and it's almost like it's like the the time that we live in is such an international time, but so much of our, our um, understandings about internationalism and things actually came out of that time when I guess people realised that there were these weapons that could could destroy mm. the earth, and that mm. that changed our thinking. Yeah, it did, and something that I actually find um, is one of the hardest parts of working to end nuclear weapons is um, is helping people or encouraging or, um, you know, pushing people to actually be able to imagine and believe and demand that we can actually bring the number of nuclear weapons deployed to zero and Mm. that even though they've been around for 75 years, that's actually a small number of years in the great scheme of things. And even though they can't be uninvented, they can be dismantled. They are, at the end of the day, weapons, objects, um, that can be taken apart. And um, so that, that lack of imagination is often one of the, the, the biggest obstacles mm. um, to people actually really fiercely demanding what we deserve, which is for nuclear abolition. And in Australia, is for the government to actually reflect our wishes and to, um, to not be complicit anymore in the nuclear weapons threat, as we currently are, um, and to, to do things like, like joining the Nuclear Weapon Ban Treaty. It is an absolute disgrace that, especially given that ICANN is an Australian-originated um, organisation and won a Nobel Peace Prize for its work to abolish weapons, that the Australian government hasn't um, signed or ratified that treaty. It's a disgrace. And so that work you're doing on the ground with local councils is really important so it gets a bit more bottom up and then then top down because we can't depend on the government to do what really they should be doing. Mm, Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'll just quickly mention another aspect of the campaign, um, which is a a finance campaign for um, superannuation funds in Australia to to remove any holdings that they have in nuclear weapons producers. Um, Because even if Australia hasn't signed on to the treaty, then that doesn't mean that financial institutions can't come into compliance with it. Mm. Um, The treaty outlaws the um, assistance with the production of nuclear weapons, so that includes financing. Um, So there will come a time when Australia, you know, hopefully within the next few years, um, joins the ban treaty. And so super funds that are operating here will will need to uh, review their holdings in nuclear arms producers so we're urging funds to get ahead of the game um, and to, to get rid of those, those stocks um, and to help dry up the, the flow of finances to these weapons. Hmm. Perhaps finally, I think um, when you mentioned about the imagination, um, trying to you know, reconfigure an imagination with of a world without nuclear weapons. It also seems that there have been over the years so many artistic responses to our nuclear age. Um, are there 
wondering if there's any like significant projects you know of this year for the 75 years happening around the world um, in terms of or if ICANN's involved with any artist responses? There's, no, there's not a specific sort of program or project um, that has popped up so far, but I was learning the other day of one of our partner organisations, a Buddhist organisation, Soka Gakkai, uh, um, planning a, a poster series display um, around the time of the anniversary, um, mm. and we're also hoping some musicians will um, will want to collaborate to uh, commemorate the anniversaries. Um, and besides that, we'd you know we'd very much encourage any artists out there to um, to organise their own response um, because art and creative expression obviously can move hearts and minds um, often more effectively than than reading like a you know a fact sheet. <laughs> so um, may this be a call out. Wonderful. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Gem. And that was a really comprehensive update. And I'm sure listeners, hope listeners feel inspired to follow up on some of the links and suggestions you made. Um, we no doubt will be in touch with you another time. And all the best with the hard work and with the rest right. of your day. Thanks so much, Rad Show team, for your excellent radio show as well. I love your work. <laughs> Bye, Gem. <laughs> Bye. You wanna finish up? I don't wanna finish up. I wanna leave. The federal government has just announced plans for a radioactive waste dump in Kimba on Bangala Country. BHPs is expanding the Olympic Dam uranium mine. Now is the time to join the radioactive resistance. Hit the road with Friends of the Earth Melbourne's Nuclear Free Collective as we travel to frontline communities and see how the nuclear industry impacts people. The Radioactive Exposure Tour will run from April 10 to 19 this year. More details on melbournefoe.org.au slash radtour2020 or contact us on radexposuretour at gmail.com. Underneath the ground at the Olympic Dam mine, there is an old sleepy lizard. BHP is mining right into that lizard named Kulta, and it's not so sleepy anymore. The old frog and lizard, they really know the mining company gotta go. The lizard returns protestable 2020. Uncle Kev is putting out the call. This is an invitation to all people and protectors of the land and waters to get involved in the creation of Autonomous Zone as we move for peace and justice. BYO, your own creative response to the nuclear industry and BHP's water theft. Keep an eye on the Lizard Revenge page on Facebook or check out our website for history and info and updates on the lizardbitesback.net. The Lizard Returns Protestable, the 3rd to the 6th of July, Arabana Country. See you there. You're tuned to the Radioactive Show, heard on community radio stations across the country, thanks to the Community Radio Network. Welcome back. Um, we're recording here on unceded lands of Wurundjeri people in Fitzroy, Melbourne, 
And I'm very happy to welcome to the show now K.A. Garlick, the nuclear-free campaigner for Conservation Council of Western Australia and our WA correspondent. Are you there, K.A.? Yeah, hello. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> good, good. I'm down south in a beautiful place called Manor at a folk festival where we oh, have nice. a nuclear-free stall. So, hmm. yeah, with our an ex-co-producer of the Red Show, Bilbo Taylor. So oh, it's all good fun. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, obviously, that's one thing you guys are doing. We're curious what else is going on over in WA um, for 2020. Mm. Well, at the moment, um, as a lot of you know, there there's currently little prospect of any of the four partially approved mines from being completed, mm. um, completely approved and entering into construction and production. That's due to the resistance and the re- resilience of the communities and traditional owners in the campaign, but also due to the falling price of uranium. Mm. So we, at the moment, um, the campaign um, is focused on tracking the progress of the mines in partnership with the Australian Conservation Foundation and a new position created with Mia Pepper at the Mineral Policy Institute um, and, of course, maintaining um, the support with affected communities. Um, and so one of the first things we're doing this year is going back up to Yaliri, just yeah. a small group of us, to keep tracking and keep keep an eye out and supporting um, the three dual women, Vicky, uh, Vicky, Lizzie and Arnie Shirley, Wanyabong, and the community up there. So we'll take a short trip up there soon. Oh, great. Uh, which would be great. Um, we're trying to get a flyover. I don't know whether many of you have heard of the floods that are happening up in the gold fields with all this um, incredible weather that we've been having over here. There's lots of flooded um, places, and we're trying to, with um, one of the MPs, try and get a flyover of that area to see the flooding that happens in that area and the and the risk that that comes with um, if you did put a uranium mine there yeah. um, and what that means with flooding. So... Two of those things we're working on. Um, and the other thing is, because we're just tracking that at the moment, or not just tracking it, but just keeping an eye on it, um, the nuclear power issue has come up. So we're really working with um, the Don't Nuke the Climate um, crew that have got a great website up, and I'm sure you'll give the, the details of that amazing site. Um, and working with um, WA ministers here and, and allies here and supporters here that don't want to have nuclear power introduced or the ban taken off um, in Australia. So, yeah, there's a, a little bit going on, but at the moment, yeah, uh, tracking and, and keeping these um, stalls going and maintaining a presence here in WA that there's still a campaign and we have to stay vigilant um, and strong on this and, and keep tracking it. Vimy Resources have recently, um, which is the tenement, has the tenement for... Mulga Rock has recently received a secondary approval, which is the Aboriginal Heritage Management Plan has just been approved. Um, so we're working with the traditional owners that haven't been consulted um, in any of this. We haven't even got a copy of the plan. So a lot of background sort of work that's happening behind the scenes, but certainly working with, you know, um, making sure that traditional owners' voices are heard and, and, and keep persisting against these mines. Um, so Vimy is also up. They are trying to change what, how they're going to mine um, at Mulga Rocks. Um, can you explain a bit about what's going on there? 
Yeah, there's been some interesting development with that one. Only last week um, they withdrew that um, oh, awesome. <laughs> that change, which is really good. We take that as a win and the referral that we had in to challenge their base metal plant that they all of a sudden decided to put a sulfuric, um, a sulfuric acid um, plant in, that we challenged them on that in a referral to the EPA. And um, it, it was 12 months of work with the EPA FIMI Resources have said that they will keep to the original um, approval and mm. that they won't put in a base metal plant. But what that means is, uh, sorry, a sulfuric acid plant, but what that means is that they've misled, potentially misled shareholders mm. and we're doing um, some behind work in um, exposing what could have been a misleading um, advice to shareholders. And so... We will have more on that when um, we put a um, complaint into the ASX with that. So, yeah, there's there's lots of room to challenge, mm. um, but we just have to keep sure we're tracking all of this um, and, yeah, making sure we're vigilant on all of these. So, yeah, at the moment um, they've withdrawn that, that referral that we had in and that it goes back to the original plan. Oh, that's that's good to hear and yeah. really appreciate the work that you and all the strong kind of traditional owners have been doing to hold them to account. I think the Mies project at Mulga Rocks in particular, their lack of acknowledgement of the people who um, are the traditional owners in that area is, is really disgusting and, yeah, mm. appreciate the work that you're doing mm. to keep them honest. Mm. Um, there's also, I guess, um, a lot of the approvals will be coming up for renewal at some point. Um, for all of the mines, is that is it mm. a big year for that? And it is. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really good point because next week, the fourth of March, the first um, environmental approval at Kintyre um, is up for um, expiring um, under the conditions um, that was approved five years ago. The company, which is Cameco. Um, has to have made a significant um, construction or development towards their project. And in that five years, we've seen not only the price of, you know, uranium plummet, but actually Cameco last September saying that um, that there will be no new mines constructed and actually mm. they're closing some of the plants around the world that they have, which is really good news. But with Kintyre... Um, and talking of the resistance that's happened, there's been strong, you know, 40-year resistance. And um, the Kintyre site or project was excised out of the Kalamui National Park. So mm. what we're working with is um, the Cameco haven't put in any um, uh, notification to the Environmental Protection Authority to say that they they have got plans for it. What we're hoping is that we work with the government that eventually the land will be handed back to the Maru people mm. that have consistently and persistently um, and tirelessly um, said that, you know, this is sacred land, we are responsible for the water, we're responsible for keeping this land clean, our country clean, um, and they and they want it handed back. Mm. Um, so it's a big project, it's a big push, but we've learned through the certain laws, the weak protection laws that we have here, is that it doesn't just because the five years is up and um, that it doesn't actually null and void the project. It sort of goes into what we're calling a zombie project, with, mm. where there's hundreds of these projects around Australia that just go into a sort of a sitting zone and then 
Cameco once if they do ever want to start that um, Kintyre project up, which we don't have little hope for that they will because they've written that off two, three years ago now as zero value mm-hmm. and they're actually dismantling some of the equipment out there um, that was used for exploration. So we're hopeful that they that this is the project where the government could really do some good work with traditional owners and actually work with them and hand their land back um, and, and have it protected, you know, and, and in safe hands for generations. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's what we're really hoping for. It's not a lot to ask, really, is it? No, no not at all, Mara. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, it's, it's such a challenge, you know, and when I say that, it's not, you know, I'm not sort of flippantly saying that, you know, there's so much work involved, but yet there's answers there and mm-hmm. they can that they can really, you know, be forward-thinking and be instrumental in working and being a showcase for the rest of the world of this is how mm-hmm. we can work with traditional owners, you know, recognise the terrible history of this country and start moving forward with better decision-making. So, you know, we have to keep going. We have to keep pushing it. We have to keep um, just pushing their buttons um, any way that we can. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we're working closely with the Madu mob um, and they're doing some great work and, you know, it, it's... Yeah, it, it's hard for them. It's tough, as we all know. Um, mm-hmm. But And that's, you know, where we, we learn the most by, by working with them and take direction from them, making sure we're doing everything as they would like. Mm. Thanks so much for that update, K.A. You're amazing with it all. Um, we're out of time, but thank you so much for letting us all know what's happening west side. Um, I just want to let people know that website, because um, obviously with the pushes for nuclear power all over the place, um, particularly with it being pushed as a solution to climate change, which is absolutely is not, there is the um, Don't Nuke the Climate movement that you mentioned. It came out of Germany, um, and there's a don'tnuketheclimate.org website, but the Australian version is don'tnuketheclimate.org. So if people want to check that out, it's a good way to dispel some of the myths that nuclear is a solution to climate change. And it's really important that people don't think that it is. Um, We're just about out of time, so it's really good to have the Nukes crew all in the same (laughs) studio at the same time, which is very rare. Um, the Rad Show is produced with the support of the Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective and we're really happy to have that support and we're also really proud to be part of Community Radio and if you're excited about it, please subscribe or donate to 3CR. And we're going to go out today with the song Nuclear Fear, Nuclear War by Black Bella Music. Any final words? Here's to a nuclear-free future. Yeah.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.